Hello and welcome to Sounding Board. My name is Daniel Johansson. And I'm Maureen Smith. How are you, Mo? You know, I feel very rested. I'm really, we're killing new routine. It's, you know, it's two weeks in, so it's still new, but... Oh, the movement routine? I mean, that and also look at us doing two sounding boards. That's true. Two sounding boards in a row. In a row. In a row. Yeah, we're here. Trying our best. Doing our best, I think. Yeah, but that's that's not we to say... We could not be doing any better. There is... <laughs> we have done everything we can to the best of our ability. Looks around the apartment. There is no room <laughs> for improvement here. None. 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 Good. Um, I'm glad we figured that out. Yeah. yeah. But... <laughs> cool. I mean, well, I know that's been sounding board. <laughs> it's sounding board. The only real up top thing that I definitely want to make sure that we talk about is um, we're throwing a digital house party in the Discord. Yes. So three years ago, sorry, I said I was rested and yet I'm yawning. Um, three years ago on December 5th was the launch of our Brand Spaking New website that has served us so well these past three years. And although Scopy, the podcast, Launched officially in February of 2017. Oh my gosh, the cats are just absolutely having a field day. Perhaps we should have locked them away. Anyway. They're done. They're done. They're done? Okay, great. Um, Although the podcast, Scopy Radio, started in February of 2017, Scopy in its current incarnation of publishing multiple podcasts, um... You know, all of that really kicked off in December of 2017. So here we are in our three years in Mm -hmm. to the new and improved Scopy. And, you know, for the longest time we've been talking about Discord and wanting to use it more and figuring out how to use it best. And this is just a culmination of a lot of stuff that we've learned about Discord in the last few months, which is we can do streaming into it. We can create all these cool voice rooms. Basically, what's happening is we're going to have separate voice rooms for different like of, like performances and activities and stuff. Like we have one friend of ours that's going to be doing. Um, well, so let me let me yeah. talk about the theme. So the theme is a house party. So what we've done is we have um, we're collaborating with Global Hive Laboratories, which we've had on the podcast a couple of times, um, and they've actually been pioneering in digital and remote art making um, for since their inception. That's that's been their whole thing. Is like you know theater artists and other multimedia artists collaborating all, all across the world culminating in a multimedia performance um and so this is really their bread and butter is you know working in the digital space so we're collaborating with them and each of these voice channels that we're talking about um is modeled after you know a typical house party room like the spare room the spare bedroom with a dog in it Mm -hmm. mom's old computer room um, the living room, the kitchen, the basement, the backyard, the fireplace, um, yeah. the, the arcane attic space. And in each of these rooms, there's, there's going to be curated activities, um, except for the kitchen, which is just socializing. Yeah. Um, so in the basement, there's going to be um, games. games. There's going to be um, Among Us and Jackbox games being played. Um, 
in the living room, there's going to be like a soundscape um, being produced by a local artist. Um, by the fireplace, we're working on getting some holiday vibes going. Mm-hmm. Um, the arcane attic space, we're going to have some kind of either tarot or um, astrology reading. Mm-hmm. Um, and backyard is going to be local music, ending with a DJ set. It's going to be cool. Yeah. It's cool seeing it all come together. Like, I've been messaging a ton with Denise, who's mostly been the person helping us collab Denise on from this. Global Hive. Yes. Um, and uh, we're, it's just a good, it's just nice to have a dynamic like that where you're like, okay, um, I'm going to work on this part. You're going to work on that part. And we kind of like, the collaboration's going really well is all I'm saying. And it's cool to see that, you know like turn into what's going to be a really cool event so if you haven't seen it already there's a facebook event on the facebook page um or just join the discord server be prepared for it and and you know about the time that it is and we'll be posting in there Mm -hmm. but Um, for those of you who are listening and who are not a part of the discord server or are a part of the discord server and just haven't frequented it recently and don't really remember how to um hit us up and we'll help you we'll head to scopymag.com slash discord yeah that'll it'll It'll basically put a... There's a window there that you have to click through. If you just click on that window, it should invite you to the Discord server. Yeah. If I remember correctly. If I set it up correctly. Um, Yeah, so that's pretty much it about that. We're really excited about it. Mm -hmm. Well, and, I mean, a little um, insider insider baseball in this situation is that this is also going to be Daniel's kind of birthday bash. Yeah. He's claiming it as his own. Well, I mean, amongst friends, like yeah, obviously it's a scopy event, but you know, I'm putting all of my birthday energy. Right. I've just been through so many quarantine birthdays where I'm like, I'm gonna be the, I'm gonna be the spoke that breaks the wheel. You know. What do you mean quarantine birthdays? Just like since the beginning of the pandemic, so many oh, birthdays. Oh, where whoa, it's whoa, like, whoa, 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 yes, yes. I you thought know. you meant that your birthdays in the past had been quarantined, and I was like, no, no, no. I mean, I mean, yeah, you really are. Like you've you've really watched the the digital birthday mold and and form into several incarnations mm-hmm. it's interesting i feel kind of bad in a way because i my scorpio friend last month was talking about wanting to do something similar to this but not knowing how really this all comes down to tyler lee if we're really honest about it <laughs> it really all comes down to tyler and you know we all should just thank him for that so go out of your way find your favorite uh Go get some, uh, go get some good Korean food or something. Speaking of good Korean food, I've been telling Daniel about this, and I'm going to share it all with you. So there's this channel on YouTube called Strictly Dumplings. That's this guy named Mike Chen, who I think he's based in Seattle and New York. Um, and he got really freaked out. He's a food blogger. Um, and he got really, really freaked out about how the U.S. was handling the pandemic. And so he just, like, fucking up and went to South Korea where they're handling it better. And so his videos recently are just him, like, hopping between Airbnbs, which is obviously, like, the most privileged thing in the world. You know, the, the ability to just, like, up and leave your life and go to South Korea. But it does make for very good content because it's just him waking up in the morning being like, 
today I'm in the mood for this. And then just like going and he's just like sitting, he'll just like sit in a restaurant and be like, that was delicious. But now I'm kind of in the mood for noodle soup. So now I'm going to go and eat some noodle soup. And then he goes and eats some noodle soup. He's like, that was delicious. But now I'm kind of in the mood for a hamburger. And so then he'll go to like Korean McDonald's and try something he's never had before. And it's, it's just like, it makes me really, really want kimchi. (laughs) I'm like watching it. I'm like, damn, I want kimchi really bad. <laughs> so, speaking of Korean food, go watch Strictly Dumplings eat his way through South Korea. Mm-hmm. Oh, was that moody rubbing against your stand? There was like yeah. a weird noise. Anyway, uh, listeners, the cat is roaming around our feet. She's very into hanging out in the study these days. Mm-hmm. Both um, the cats are. The whole family. The whole fam damly. Whole d- fan damly. Um, I say we get into stuff. Yeah. Um, The first thing I really wanted to talk about, which is kind of like national news, is it does look like we're going to be seeing a lot of city schools, which is something that we've covered on the the site, too, about Chicago specifically. But this weekend, um, Sunday, was when we were recording, so I'm I'm looking at the times today. And it does look like New York City is pushing to reopen in some kind of hybrid capacity. When are they looking? After, Um, After the holidays or before the holidays? He would reopen public elementary schools, abruptly shifting policy in the face of widespread criticism. Uh, Is this in New York Times? Yeah. This school can return starting December 7th. Oh, my God. Students with the most complex disabilities can return December 10th. Children in pre-K elementary school can return starting December 7th. That's wildly early. That's like that's like next So week. that's, yeah. So that's what... That's the same reopening schedule that New- that Chicago has, except a, m- a month later. Um, <laughs> yeah. That's wild because, so, um, my brother and sister-in-law, sorry, I'm not getting emotional. I'm just burping. <laughs> <laughs> um, a little more insider baseball for you there. Um, my brother and sister-in-law live in New York. They live in Harlem. And my brother is a, like, high-level restaurant worker. He's a um, bartender at, like, really high-ranked New York restaurants. Mm-hmm. Um, and he's gotten laid off three times during the pandemic, most recently, like, last week. Mm-hmm. Um, and so the fact that they're talking about reopening schools when restaurants can't even retain their staff, I don't know. It just seems... Like, if they're worried about people gathering in person indoors, and yet they're allowing children to gather in person indoors, when having, like, I know as a teacher of children that getting a kid to keep their mask on, I getting a kid to keep their mask on when it's just you and the kid is hard. I can't imagine being, like, a teacher with a classroom of, like, 40 kids trying to monitor whether they're keeping their masks on yeah and I, and I guess part of it is coming down to i mean basically every state is having a second wave right. every st- most states they're having new record highs new york isn't they are having a spike but they're not having as severe of a spike that's interesting um yeah and i mean basically what we're looking at is just we talked about this last episode about this whole idea of cities feel they, like, once, basically it's going to, the battleground for when schools are going to reopen is going to start with cities, I feel. Mm-hmm. Obviously, like, 
fucking stupid Catholic schools are going <laughs> to stay open like they have oh, been. Oh, Catholic because... schools have been open this whole time. Right. Like, we, there were, um, I, I have students who go to school five days a week. It's wild. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I wanted to see, the only thing I wanted to know was if Illinois' current spike is a record high or if it's just... It's a record high. It is? Yeah. Well, For and sure. So maybe that's going to mean that Chicago doesn't follow in New York's footsteps, but in the but frankly, there hasn't been a period in which Chicago hasn't. Because de Blasio is like, you know... Well, I mean, Chicago announced their reop- their school reopening schedule weeks ago. Yeah. Like, right. Right. And so I, I doubt that, like, you know, with Chicago following New York's lead and New York reopening, I, I don't think that if Chicago is following New York's lead, they would then turn course and then close. December, this, this week is way too early. I mean, obviously, it's always been way too early. I... Yeah. What's here's what's interesting. So I'm a teacher, as I've said four times in this episode and many other episodes, I'm a teacher of children. Um, but um teachers are kind of facing an interesting dilemma right now because so the CDC advised everyone to not gather in large groups for Thanksgiving. Yeah. Um but obviously teachers have no way of policing that. Um, and if you look at what happened in Canada, so Thanksgiving in Canada happens in October and after their Thanksgiving weekend, um, they had a huge spike. Now, obviously, and like, you know, they had, they had a huge spike and their population is much smaller and their cases have been much less. And they're, like, it's just better handled in Canada. So the fact that with a lower population, with more contained cases, and with better disease protocols, there was still a spike after people gathered for Thanksgiving. I can't even imagine what it's going to be like after the dum-dums in the U.S. with absolutely no regulation other than you know, a, a, a stern suggestion, like, it's going to be chaos. And I know, like, for me, for example, I have a student that I see in person, and she told me last week, she told me at our last lesson that she's getting to, that she was getting together with her entire, her entire family in Chicago and spending the whole weekend together. Mm-hmm. That there's going to be, like, 15 people at her house. And I'm sitting there with this little girl in person like, oh, you're going to you're going to get me sick. <laughs> but like, I'm not in a position and this family in particular is not willing to do online lessons. Mm-hmm. So I'm faced with the choice of do I lose this student because I I don't want to be in the same room as her after she is likely carrying COVID? <laughs> Or do I just say, hey, I need the money? Mm-hmm. Like, the fact that I'm put in this position, and so, I don't know. I actually don't know what's going to happen with that because I asked my boss, Was I was like, can we ask that we do one week online? And I don't know. We'll see what happens. Because, like, that's a really 
terrible position to be put in. Look, it's all a really terrible position. Like, and and I'm not sorry. I'm not trying to minimize what you're saying. That sucks. What I'm saying is, is that the reality is, is and we're going to see in the next week what happens when when Congress reconvenes. But there is no option for people to reopen outside, like for people to return to, for people to be able to take this pandemic seriously because. The federal government doesn't give a shit. Oh, yeah. No, like, and, and, I have no, I, like, and my, my particular case where I'm worried about one half hour of my week, oh, my God, I'm so lucky. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but, and, like, people, and when you look at all these other countries, like, Canada, like, Germany, like, all of these other, you know, quote, unquote, and I find the term developed country to be white supremacist and trashy, but, like, you know, all these, quote, unquote, developed countries who all, by the way, all have, like, nationalized healthcare like um they've been able to pay their citizens to not go to work and have been able to furthermore if you want to make it conscious capitalism have been able to go ahead and pay the small businesses to keep people safe and to keep these businesses closed meanwhile this whole american we need to prop up capitalism bullshit is just serves to keep the rich richer like we've talked about this in the past like the only people that have the people there are people that have made money off of the coronavirus and then the like 20 like members of the top one percent or whatever the fuck i know that's like that's statistics are exaggerated but you know what i'm saying it's the one percent that have made money it's like fucking jeff bezos and and all these people who are who have been able to shift the market quickly because their assets allow them to do that whereas like all these small businesses who can't make a turn on a dime like that to pivot to digital uh to digital commerce or like digital service generally generally like they've been left in the dust and there's been no answer to that. The reality is is that a lot of small businesses, once we reopen, will not be able to reopen. And it has everything to do with the federal government catering to small business and not taking care of citizens and not taking care of businesses. As much as they say... Wait, government even, catering to small business? Government catering to big business. Oh, okay. Great. And not taking care of small, small business. Okay. And, you know, the that's the reality. That's the truth, and there's no other way. You look at the 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 aid that went out, the way that these things work. Like it's just not enough. You compare it to every other fucking country. That's the thing, though, is that people in America, the you know, I say liberals, and I don't mean liberals like I don't mean Democrats. Even I mean Republicans, Democrats that share similar interests, which is the economy. Don't care to compare people that are fans of the economy are the kind of people who see America first and don't think to compare America to other countries because no one can be doing anything as well as America does. When in reality, like we're behind the ball in every aspect of handling this pandemic of handling our economy in the way that will keep people afloat. This will have lasting effects on our economy for years. And it's the fault. It's the fault of people who cannot see past our own front doorstep. And it's a shame. Um, all and all of that is to say, you know, it's it puts. Look, I think December seventh is really early, but it puts cities in a really awkward position. Of look, I think with Lightfoot, 
for example, when we were talking about, I still kind of half stand by my positioning of like, there's not really much that else that she can do. Now, de Blasio has no reason before Christmas to reopen schools. That's fucking stupid. And, and like, it's one of those things where like de Blasio purports to be this progressive. What's, what's so weird to me is like from an education perspective, it makes absolutely no sense to bring kids who have been online all semester back to school for like a week for like two weeks sure when i'm sure that teachers have figured out how to make how to make exams completely remote how to make only logistical reason to do that is because you expect to want to have tourists during the holiday season in your city or yeah they and they want work yeah which is fucked that is fucked like maybe i don't know People that live in New York, if you're listening and have thoughts on if that's the thing, like if that's what really what it is, is that like the working class has to be in stores because of because they're hoping for fucking bumfuck Missouriites to come into the city and do some bullshit and like prop up the prop up hotels and shit. I don't fucking know. Um, I don't know. So so yeah, I I I find it I find it tough, and I, like I've said in the past. Cities have the unfortunate position of needing to make decisions based on... Cities have to deal with material conditions way more than the federal government does. I mean, the federal government should be, but the federal government can get away with not doing a lot because people don't people don't see how the federal government not setting up some kind of aid affects the worker that they live next door to. Right. They, they're more willing to blame the city mayor on that. Now, is there something that the city mayor could be doing different? Absolutely. But it's but it, the brunt of the blame is not at Lori Lightfoot's desk alone. No. Now, Bill de Blasio. Eh, I don't know. I don't really know much about him. I know that he's like a Bernieite. So that's one thing. But then it's like to be a Bernieite and then to, to do this kind of shit doesn't make any sense to me. Like that... That's the and that's the encompassing nature of like that wing of the Democratic Party. These like Bernie or bust type people. Like the Bernie to Trump issue is a real issue. Like the populism of it all is a real issue. So let's let's do more um, fine tooth brush uh, comb politics. Fine tooth sure. comb. Yes. <laughs> Combs and brushes are basically the same thing. Well, but except that co- brushes don't have um, co- teeth; they have they have like brushes. You don't Spurs. call them teeth. What are they called in brushes? It's not teeth. I don't know. Could be teeth. Bristles. Bristles. Nice. Yeah. Um, so Chicago last week voted on Lori Lightfoot's budget. Now that we've talked about Lori Lightfoot and being like, uh, all right, so here's more, here's more Daniel, um, Daniel feels some sort of way. I mean, it's, it's really fucking complicated, right? So the budget calls for increased property taxes, $94 million tax It hike. calls for considerable um this chicago way of doing things which is increased fines and parking tickets and 
increased parking fees, things like that. Things that are done through a third party that then that third party pays, you know, X amount of dollars to the city to essentially micromanage the city's responsibilities, which at the end of the day, the individual citizen ends up paying way more than if the city just figured out a way to, to set this up internally. So that's all that's all one one piece of the puzzle. And then the other piece of the puzzle, which if you've been paying attention to Chicago politics for the last few months, you know that Lori Lightfoot is a cop and wants to further fund cops and and <laughs> the so there is a significant pushback against you know um so the budget like every other city budget in America does call for a does bring a lowered budget for police it but when you get into the weeds of the of the, of the budget and I've, what it actually costs go ahead the numbers are it's an 80 million dollar cut to the police um, budget but 34 million of those um of that cut is just eliminating vacant positions mm-hmm. so the actual cut is really only like 56 million and the or big, 46 million. The big win here, which is a, a big win for DSA and, and left of this debate um, people, is the pilot program for Treatment Not Trauma, yep. which is um, Rosana Rodriguez's uh, program, which is partly inspired by... Um, Cahoots. In Portland. Um, I think it, maybe not just Portland, it might be Oregon generally. I'm not 100% sure on that. But basically, it's this idea that setting up a program where you have crisis response that isn't police first. Um, at, or at least, like, an option for that. And so, you know, having a pilot program for that is, is a big deal. But you know what else? Like, maybe a pilot program isn't going far enough. Like, I mean, obviously it, ha- it needs to be tested, but there's all this statistics and and uh, material from like the cahoots model in in portland was set up like decades ago there's there's material to prove what what could or could not work you know look it's it's progression but you know i i don't know so i i don't necessarily think that's just what the so so okay so the vote happened so that's the budget the vote happened it was a very close vote. For Chicago city budgets, for the vote to get this close is notable. Um, it was 28 to 22, which means that it came down to a handful of of council members. Um, and there is a handful of council members who are being put under the microscope of this vote. Um, Mike Rodriguez, Andre Vasquez, and Maria Haddon. And... Um, you know, all of these... We've had Andre Vasquez on the, on the show, actually, a couple of years back, like when he was running for office. Um, but, you know, what is wild about it is these elected officials kind of fall in this, like, progressive, liberal space. Um, for the most part, like, the people that voted yes on the budget... I would probably say they fall in the liberal camp, you know, because they are most excited about seeing like the concessions that have been made to the left. Um, whereas half of the no votes are from the conservative council members who oppose taxing the rich at all. So it's the kind of thing where, look, 
sorry, I, I keep going ahead of, of I keep having wanting to have takes where I need to just keep giving information. So, so the vote happened. Half of the no votes were from conservative council members, and the other half of the no votes were from DSA endorsed appointees. And the DSA came out hard against Lori Lightfoot's budget, and because of that, there are six Chicago City Council members who are DSA endorsed. Um, Carlos, Carlos Ramirez Rosa, Rosana Rodriguez, Daniel Espada, um, Jeanette Taylor. Did I say Rosana Rodriguez already? Andre Vasquez. Andre Vasquez. Now, and there's a sixth. Um, <laughs> sorry, y'all. Basically, it's Thanksgiving weekend. Yeah, it's Thanksgiving weekend. So there's an article on this on Scopy. If you want to look it up, please do. Um, By- and Byron? and honestly, Byron. Yes, Byron Sixto Lopez. Yeah. Um, and basically... Sorry that I only remember their first names. Apparently I'm super casual with with city council. <laughs> it's hard. Um, it's the, so this group of voters has the capacity to work as a block for outwardly socialist policy. Which, as a socialist, is fucking fantastic. The fact that we have that is super important. Now, what's happening... What some people are calling is that this is going to lead the, the way that this vote has shaken out, and the actions of the DSA since the vote is it's going to pull push kind of sectarian. Because what's happened is is that Andre Vasquez voted no. Andre Vasquez is DSA endorsed, and then on then DSA voted forty to two to expel Andre Vasquez from DSA. So, um. You know, so now there are five DSA-backed council members. Right. I the so I I don't know. I I mean, obviously, DSA went out of their way to say this budget does not fall in line with their demands, and then Andre Vasquez turned around and didn't. But but the thing with Andre Vasquez is he's always been this kind of fringe character to DSA this this is both a call for sectarianism and drawing this progressive this socialist line within city council but is also partly personal um the ward that Andre Vasquez is councilman before member for is the 40th which for those again familiar with Chicago politics that was Patrick O'Connor's ward he's been this incumbent he was this incumbent for a really long time that people wanted to see out because he was very conservative compared to others and so there it's was not this- it's not that he was conservative it was that he was outright corrupt yeah and so there were there was this big race between Five different candidates that became it was progressives. Like Maggie O'Keefe, Andre Vasquez, Hugo Okere. Mm-hmm. And then and a couple others that I don't remember. But yeah. For progressives, those are the three big names. Because Maggie O'Keefe very much um, resembled this, like, she, you know... She was art, very much business. Business and arts. Yeah. Like, a lot of theater people really loved Maggie O'Keefe. Um, Andre Vasquez is was working with Reclaim Chicago, which is this, like, political action committee. Um, well, and he was... He is very much in the Bernie Sanders camp. He's, well, he's got this, like... Well, he, a, he was kind of... He was, like, brought into the political fray. He was inspired by the 26 Bernie, Bernie Sanders campaign. 26. 2016 Bernie Sanders campaign. Yeah, and it really... Um, 
paints a picture of what that looks like politically in Chicago, which is, and honestly, nationally, is that you have people that voted for Bernie Sanders in 2016 kind of falling into multiple camps, but two notable ones here. The kind of voter who, the kind of leftist who then turns around and wants to make concessions to essentially reform and see, you know, the system as it is, become more socialist until eventually until eventually we actually have it and then more revolt which is i want to see this completely change from this the groundwork and the only way to accomplish that is to obstruct as much as possible and i think that you know if you're looking at the policy of the way that people voted on this budget it really comes down to that it really comes down to the dsa wants to obstruct and wants to rebuild which i there are parts of me that are sympathetic to but then there's also kind of this other side where it's i want to get there to the same place that you do but the way that i see we get there is completely different and that's what sectarianism means basically because you know, there's all kinds of ways that sectarianism on the left can happen. It happens a lot with Marxists and anarchists, and it happens a lot with Leninists and Marxists. It happens with fucking everybody on the left. But where it's really coming out in the last, I don't know, four years in American politics is is this. Is this argument of, can we reform the system as it is, or does it need to be rebuilt entirely? And that, again, that's not even a new idea in and of itself. Here's something interesting about Ugo Okere. He was 21 years old when he ran in 2019. Look. No, I mean, I, no, yeah. no, I mean, I just, I just think that's interesting. It's super interesting. It's, it'd be great to have a young voice, but it's also like, that's almost too young to me. I don't know. Is that, and I'm young, I'm not old. At the time, four years ago, I was 25. So like, it's, I'm not, I'm not unsympathetic to that, but I, I guess it's just like, what happened is. DSA at the time, still a young organization. DSA's only been around since 2016. I mean, it's been around Chicago, for a long time. Chicago DSA. The current incarnation, the way that it is with all this renewed... Um, vigor. Vigor is is post-Bernie Sanders Democratic primary. A lot of Bernie Sanders voters were like, I need to do something that's... And they got radicalized by joining DSA. I was one of those people. I And I, I still find myself very sympathetic to the way that DSA operates. But the thing is, is that... They put all of their eggs in the Ugo Okere basket in the 40th Ward, and then he didn't win the primary. He didn't. He lost to Andre because, for frankly, Andre in the 40th Ward has an amazing campaign strategy. He was knocking doors. He sat down with us for God's sake. Like he <laughs> had a good. He just did good work for his ward specifically. Now, what that means for his policy. On a citywide angle, I'm not gonna, I'm not gonna say that his choice to vote yes or no was right or wrong because I don't really know. I don't really know. There are nuances in that budget that we know nothing about. I mean, exactly. Like again, I'm sympathetic to the stance of DSA, but I'm also there's part of me that's sympathetic to 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 Andre Vasquez. The reality is, is like treatment not trauma is a big fucking deal. Like to have sure the pilot program doesn't go far enough, but to have it at all. To have it at all. We're the, we're the second city after Portland to do that. And Portland just legalized mushrooms. Like, I... like I, We... The only way... it's You have to have both, I feel. Because the only way that we're going to keep seeing pushing left and pushing left 
is by having an obstructionist leftist agenda that does do shit like this, that does get recognized for, for saying, look, this doesn't go far enough. But I don't know. I mean, to sit and, and look back at this and say this is a failure, when in reality there have been strides made here up under, you know, the copiest of mares we've had in a minute, it's, it's fascinating. I, again, I, I'm trying really hard to not... I don't really... I hope I at any point in this I haven't come off saying this is how I feel on this issue. The way the way I... Honestly, the, the way I see it with this is that I understand that DSA had to do what they had to do because, because they are so grounded in a very specific ethos that if someone that... And of the, you know... 70 uh of of the 78 or however many aldermen there are out of or no 50 50 aldermen duh out of the 50 aldermen they're only backing six yeah and so because of that because they are so grounded in a very specific ethos i understand that they had to cut ties with someone who does not very stringently follow what they are preaching I get that. However, I think that Andre Vasquez is a savvy enough, sorry, a savvy enough politician, an intelligent man, and cares about his community enough that... Still a leftist. His statement right. called for comrades with him, for people to be to be socialist with him. And if that is outside of the DSA, like he... He was well, not... I mean, but that... I mean, honestly, like, in terms of people calling... You know, in terms of someone publicly calling people comrades and saying, be socialist with me or or whatever. It is just platitudes. It, yeah, exactly. I mean, the fact is, actions speak louder than words. He voted against DSA's agenda. He voted for a budget that DSA was very outspokenly against. But I'm not saying that he did the wrong thing because he did what he believed was right. And the other side of this, which is part of me feels, yes, that's all very true. The thing is, is DSA said this in their in their statement that for with Andre specifically, it's not just the budget vote. It has to they they put it as his history of catering to private interests, which yeah. maybe is very true. But I also I also can't help but think that that microscope's been put under put onto Andre because of the fact that they have a personal vendetta because of from from ugo and honestly ugo seems fantastic like if if i don't know what the hell what it's I, gonna look like if they try and primary ugo to andre but well no so here's here's what i'll say is that like if you look at the if you look at the wards that the dsa backed aldermen reside over i mean we have carlos ramirez rome bleh, carla I'm so sorry. I'm yeah, I've gotten thirty fifth. Yeah, thirty fifth. That is that is not like, and then we have Byron, who's in Pilsen, right? Mm-hmm. Um, Jeanette, who is she in Avondale? South side. South side. So these like these aldermen reside over communities that don't have large corporate interests who have a vested who have like vested interest in manipulating ward level politics that's not to say that the needs of those wards are not important because they are and they 
deserve and they like and it's fantastic that DSA backed candidates are representing those wards and representing the people who live there but it is a fucking a it is a fucking monolithic achievement that Andre Vasquez was able to topple a fucking giant in the 40th ward mm-hmm. and so like you know i say this as a person who runs a business who tries as hard like we try at scopy as hard as we can to align ourselves align ourselves with socialist policies and run as like clean as we can we don't have any outside investors we run on the on the goodwill of the people who want to see us succeed and that's it but like in an environment where you have to where you are staring just like i don't know big business in the face when you're staring corruption in the face you can't topple it with just goodwill yeah so the fact that Andre Vasquez had to, ha- you know, perhaps he fundraised with like, you know, he's not a villain with like big machine democratic institutions, like yeah, because he probably fucking had to. Like I like I I I think that like essentially scapegoating. I feel the same way now about Andre that I do Lightfoot, where to scapegoat all of your blames for the current situation on one person is extremely foolish and unaware of of you know. The material conditions with which we find ourselves in. Now, look, ideologically, could these people be more radical? Fuck yeah. But the but to to take all that to take that out of context, take of ideology, and put it on every single material decision that you know nothing about. Within our current system, we need both. Yeah, we need people who who believe in the foundation of radicalism who who align themselves as closely as they can with organizations like DSA but still operate within the system we need those people just as we need these organizations that are so grounded in such a specific ethos and they they need to maintain that yeah. And so I think that in both situations, that both parties were correct. Andre Vasquez, you know, weighed the good and the bad and decided to go for the good in this budget. And DSA then said, okay, you've made the decision to ignore what we want. And so we now need to separate ourselves from you. And that's fine. Yeah, just you know, it's just sad, honestly. Yeah. Um. Well, I, I don't want to end on that. The last thing I wanted to talk about that we don't have a ton of time is um the bunny the dog. Honestly, just generally TikTok memes are fucking hilarious. <laughs> like if you haven't yet, um, you should specifically go look at Bunny the dog, which is this dog, who their owner, her owner has just uh. First off, I wrote an article about it, so find that Bunny the dog. Copy Google that. Um. Second, it's just the this, article like, is called "Does This Dog Know She's a Dog?" Right, because basically what it is is there's these buttons that the dog can press to say like, "Outside," "Treat," "Hungry," "Owner," "Mom," right, um, and it's become a meme to basically be like, "Bunny, want something? 
Hmm? <laughs> Bunny outside now. Hmm? Yeah. Because I think there's a there's hmm a, button. Yeah, which yeah. is like the question button. And from there, it quickly became like, damn, like if Bunny starts like having complex thought, like at what point is this dog going to go through an existential crisis? And the people have just run with that. Like the funniest thing to me is this meme, and I link it in the article. If you watch no other bunny meme, watch this one TikTok where they take the script, the, the like, tone of the... And if Sonic isn't a god, then he could kill God, and I could care less the difference. Like that um, Unraveled episode from yeah. Brian David Gilbert where he talks about Sonic the Hedgehog and the Bible. Um, that... That they take that and then they put it on Yellow Hearts, which is this song now. Whenever I hear it, I have it in the Spotify playlist, and I immediately think of Bunny the Dog now because it's just this like it's just so perfect. Bunny could kill God, hmm? Bunny is no wait, no, it's Bunny is God, hmm? Bunny could kill God, hmm? It's fucking hilarious, but anyway, all of this is just like it's just funny to me how because Bunny the Dog itself got very, very famous. And I just find it funny how, from there, memes and kind of, like, trends can go off of something famous and not even touch what Bunny's famous for. Like, Bunny's just famous for being a dog that they're teaching how to talk. Like, and, it, and they, people keep talking about, like, oh, is this a Clever Hans thing? Oh, is this is this co uh, uh, cognitive bias? Like, is this just because it's your dog? And then that is all happening, and that discourse is happening, and it's made Bunny hit millions of of followers and, and people talking about it everywhere. But also <laughs> in comment threads and in, in people making content where they're like this character of bunny, the dog starting a revolution or bunny, the dog becoming God. Like, it's just, I just find that really funny. It is very funny. Well, so I started, I started, I got into bunnies, um, TikToks before the existential crisis and it's just like what's so funny about TikTok and the internet in general is just like it started off just so wholesome where it was like oh today bunny you know I never would have known that there was that there was a a thorn in her paw if she hadn't have used the buttons like oh my gosh and like because there's a video where she just pats like help help bunny bunny ow and she's like, oh my god. And then she comes over and she looks at her paws and there's like a thorn in her paws. She's like, I never would have known. And yeah. it's just like, and it's just like a lovely interaction between, oh god. And you know what I just found out? Bunny's only one. She's only one years old. Mm -hmm. That's wild. Yeah. So we'll have Bunny the dog in our lives for a very long time. I, I <laughs> do think that Bunny, I think that Bunny must have, like the, her owner must have been interested in this study. Like well, so she, the, the owner didn't come up with this. No, right, yeah. No. There's there's another dog. It's ugh, I forgot the name, but it's like something the talking dog. Yeah, it's in the article. Yeah, um, and yeah, I think that she got the dog and started off immediately training her yeah. to do this. Yeah, which is fascinating. That's all I got. That is also all I got. All right. Well, have a good week, everybody. Have yeah. a good Monday, I guess, if you're listening to this on Monday. Mm -hmm. That's fun. It's fun and quirky. Yep. Um, I don't know if we're going to record next week because next Sunday I have... 
we'll no, try we'll make it happen. We'll try it. Well, I mean, we'll try. I might not be in the best mood, but we'll try. I'll draw you into it. Okay. Don't worry. We'll have a terrible time. Yeah. Well, <laughs> you'll so next week, next Monday if you hear us recording and and, and you hear me being really chipper, know that I'm putting on an act. <laughs> wow. See y'all next Thank you all so much for listening. I've been Dan Johansson. I continue to be Maureen Smith. If you want to keep up with what we're up to, there's so many ways you can do that. You can find the podcast, the one you're listening to right now in most podcast places under Sounding Board. And if you want to keep up with what we're up to, there are a ton of ways you can do that. You can find us on Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, and Tumblr under Scopy Mag. And if you want to join our community, keep in touch with us, find out what we're up to you can join our discord server and the best way to find that is to head to scopymag.com slash discord and as always i'm here to talk about the importance of subscribing there are two ways that you can subscribe the first is by contributing monthly for two dollars a month you will receive an email every time we post something it is the best way to stay up to date on what we're doing because (laughs) facebook hates us uh the other way that you can give is yearly and that is twenty dollars a year same perks same deal just one lump sum so give a little give a lot and if you can't give then listen participate and share Cool. Thanks again so much for listening. Go out and make something.